0: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People.
1: So welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson and Dave Pendleton. Dave Pendleton, Senior Consultant. So, I'm. Um, Yes, we want to jump back on. We want to record a a podcast around customer experience. Is that right, Dave? Yes, absolutely. He's looking at me thinking, we haven't even planned this, have we? (laughs) Well, we don't on on Hubcast. That's the beauty about it. We see where it goes. We deliver innovative content as it happens, as it arises in our brain. But one of the things Dave and I have been working on is with a customer, is customer experience. Now, the first thing I'm going to mention on this, because... Of course, we do a lot on customer service. Uh, a lot of organizations deliver training on customer service, frontline customer service and general customer service ambassadors in the organization or anybody who touches the customer. But when we take a step back and we look at customer experience, Dave, it's a bit more of a strategic agenda, if you like. It must It's more organizational than just customer service, would you agree? And I think that's the first myth we've got to sort of debunk. We've got to explain what we mean by customer experience. Absolutely, yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, I think that the major difference between customer
0: service and customer experience as you say is strategic because customer experience is something that uh, that touches a business from end to end in every department mm. through every person. Yeah. You know one of my favorite sayings is that customer service is an attitude not a department. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I think that every single opportunity that the customer has to touch a business even if they dial the wrong number and get through to the wrong department and end up speaking to somebody who they didn't mean to speak to, that person has a responsibility to, de- to deliver uh, world-class customer experience
1: yeah. rather than just customer service. Absolutely. And from that, that's from a people perspective as well, but also what touches customer experience, what gives your customers their experience of your brand and organisation, um, reaches outside of people. So you've got the actual product, and we're going to go through it in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the products and service, you've got the technology side, you've got everything that that contributes to your ability mm. as an organisation to deliver a great experience yeah, to the customer. Yeah. So, cu- things like delivering logistics,
0: yeah, you yeah, know, how fast is my
1: product reaching the customer? Yeah, lead times, yeah, lead times, etc. So, um, so when we when we talk about customer experience, then we're talking around an organisational strategic level initiative of the overall experience that our customers have with our brand, our people, and our organization, our products and services. Yeah. Um, yes, customer service is an element of that, but customer experience is the whole thing. So what we're going to do on this Hubcast is we're going to talk through our four pillars of customer experience. We've created a model here at Trans2, and we work with our customers, where we get them thinking organizationally of the four contributing pillars towards customer customer experience at an organizational level yeah right so we're going to talk through these and what we want the listeners to do whether you're a leader in within that the business or whether you're a leader within customer service and experience we're going to get you to think about these four pillars and which ones you think you've got covered off or that you're working on and which ones may present an opportunity for you if you're going to deliver better customer experience so number one Dave let's start with the first pillar of customer experience people. Right, Absolutely. And and of course, it's people. But what we mean by this is we split it into two branches, don't we? There is your talent, your customer service or, uh, talent, your on the ground talent who are dealing with customers, your branch staff, your engineers in the field, whoever it is, mm-hmm. it's your talent who are engaging with customers every day. But then you've also got leadership. So the leaders within the business who are responsible for setting the tone, setting the values and the behaviors and the and, and the methodologies that drive the customer experience. Um, so from a talent perspective, we need the right people with the right skills, traits, knowledge, process, et cetera. But from a leadership perspective, we need them to be casting that cultural shadow from the top of how of the experience we want to deliver to our customers and where we've got the leaders and the workforce and the talent. All thinking in the same way that delivers fantastic customer experience.
0: Sure does. Would you add anything else to that? Uh, well, I think I think people is, is as you say is the absolute key to the whole thing. Um, at every single stage of process, be it IT, be it delivery, be it logistics or whatever else, there is a people aspect yeah. to every single element. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the one of the biggest. I guess discussions that I probably have with leaders of service in some way or another, um, sometimes during a, a customer service training course or sometimes at the end and afterwards, um, is that they absolutely hold their hand up and say, Do you know what, I've got some of the wrong people.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and
0: this day has really highlighted where the shortfalls are in not necessarily people's experience, because people can be really, really experienced and tenured in elements of um, the delivery of a customer experience or indeed customer service itself as an element. Um, but they just lose the will to care. Yes.
1: You know, and that's and a know massive what, difference. And you said earlier, didn't you? customer service is not a department. It's an attitude. And, yeah. and, and, Attitudes come from human beings, so we need the right like-minded people who have the right behaviors and traits to serve the customer. Yeah. To you know, who ha- who display some of the natural uh, traits and characteristics, which leads me to signpost something at this point in the hubcast. On the T2 Hub, you, if you go to the productivity tool section, you know, we have a customer service competency framework that you can use. It's it's available for hub members to use as part of the of the package. Um, but in there, Dave and I did a piece on this where we identified the 16 universal competencies of great customer service people. And what are the trait skills that these people possess? And what is the knowledge that they possess and how do what processes do they carry out without fail every time? So from a skills, traits, knowledge and process perspective, the sixteen universal competences within those four categories that we observe in great customer centric people, if that makes sense. And so I'd urge you to go and have a look at that because it gives you a toolkit and a model to be able to start looking at your people in your organization and measuring them and assessing them against the 16 competencies. Um, So I'd, I'd implore you to do that. But just in summary, on this first point, the four pillars to great customer experience, you know, the number one we've just highlighted there is people, both Leaders within the business who live and breathe and lead by example and cast the shadow, but your talent or anybody who is regarded as a customer service ambassador on the floor who engages with the customer, they carry the right skills, traits, and behaviors, and that creates that attitude you're talking around. Yeah, and if you right. want to identify what they are, have a look at the 16 competencies within the toolkit. Sure. Right. Pillar two in terms of what delivers customer experience, what delivers or what makes up your overall customer's experience of your brand and your and your organization uh, um, and your products and services? Well, it's process. So as well as having great people, you need to have very, very simplistic, efficient and effective processes that allow your people to deal with customers and to deliver to customers in an effective way. And we always break process down, Dave, don't we, to reactive and proactive? Yeah, we do. Yeah. And again, I think
0: from from years of dealing with customer service people, you ask the, I always ask the question during training days, um, you know, does your process and do your processes, both um, humanistic and IT technology-based processes, do they support you being a customer-centric deliverer of service. Uh, and more than often, the, the reaction is either not
1: or not as much as we'd like. Yeah. And that's where we split reactive and proactive because what we do find is even those companies who are doing it well, it's only from a reactive perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and don't get me yeah. wrong, reactive customer service, so your ability, so let me define that just, just so I'm not taking anything anything for granted with any listeners. Reactive customer service is your ability to respond to a customer and either review or resolve something, um, you know, so, or provide information or whatever it might be. But what it is, is it's driven by your customer and reacted to by you, the people, or the organization. 100%. Now, most organizations are set up in customer service centers and in, uh, you know, account management uh, structures to respond to the customer and not vice versa. Mm-hmm. So their whole processes are built around doing that, which, again, they're not all great, but the ones who do get that right are still only doing half the job, in our opinion. What we also want to think about and challenge you is if you want to deliver great customer experience on the whole, you need to get proactive. And that's not just responding and reviewing and resolving. That is how do we get ahead of the game and start enhancing, improving, and rewarding our customers? Mm -hmm on the front foot. And that's what the best customer experience organisations do. And and like you rightly say, there's a multitude of things that surround that from people to technology to certain processes to using data and analysing data and getting ahead of the game. Mm, Absolutely, it is, yeah. And as you say, it's absolutely
0: about analysing that data. And, um, you know, we we work with many companies that um, have um, survey facilities within their business Um, You know, and and once a year without fail, they'll send out this um, magnificent survey of 16 questions to all of their businesses and all of the customers who deal with them um, just to basically say, you know, how well are we doing? What do you think about our service? And so on and so forth. Uh, And if they're lucky, they'll get a 65% or so response rate because very rarely do customers tell us when we're doing things well.
1: Yeah. But they're quite
0: happy to tell us when we're doing things not very well. So, in terms of of the responses that we get, you've got to work out the sixty out of that sixty five percent or so, the legitimate responses, and then mm. you've got to have the ability to pull the the golden nuggets out of there, see the correlations, and understand what those correlations mean, and and actually have some solutions and resolutions to how we can better provide whatever element of service is letting the customer down, to a point in the future where it stops letting those customers down. And it becomes a proactive service element, as, yeah. you,
1: as you rightly um, indicate. And, and I guess at this point, again, there's a video on the hub called the KLM story, yeah. uh, the KLM case study, which I recorded around giving you an example of what proactive customer service is. So I'm not going to go into it for this hubcast with the time we've got. Sure. But if you want to. Get an example of what we're talking around with proactive customer service go to the video section on the hub find the klm the customer proactive customer service example the klm story and you'll have a fantastic idea of what we're talking around but um you know <coughs> excuse me um you know we have two definitions when me and dave first looked up the definition of customer service right this is what we found the definition of customer service out there is the assistance and advice provided by a company to those people who use or buy its products or services. Boring. We always said that, didn't we? Meaningless. That that is uninspiring, yeah? (laughs) It's the assistance and advice provided by a company to those people who use or buy its products or services. We like to, if you, that's for me, the the reactive customer service element of it. But if you're trying to uh, straddle with your processes, reactive and proactive, I would try and redefine that definition to something like this. To bring a product or service alive in the mind of the buyer by giving them an experience which either enables, enhances, or rewards. That's when you transition from reactive customer service to proactive. So let me just recap before we move on to the third pillar. Pillar one of customer experience is people from a leadership and a talent perspective having the right people with the right attitude and behaviours and traits and the competencies to deliver excellence in customer service. We have processes. So your ability to have efficient, effective process, both reactive and proactive. So we're getting not only responding effectively to, to the customer, but we're getting ahead of the game and providing real intelligence and insight and an enhanced you know, experience up front. So pillar three, let's come to pillar three of four, Dave. We've got our people, got our processes, but we also, we mentioned it earlier, we also have to have technology and systems Mm, in place. Now, most organizations are falling down with this because it's expensive Mm. and it carries a lot of change and a lot of investment, a lot Mm. of time and energy to be able to implement the right systems and technologies and then forge the habitual patterns of behavior around the usage of them to be able to drive better customer experience. Mm. So... What we mean here is from a technology perspective, you've got both your systems, how efficient they are, the speed of them, the security of the systems, and you've got the data within them, the information, the evidence, and the intelligence that can really help your employees to deliver that that, that customer experience. Um, you know, we live in a world now where the opportunities are endless with this. You know, there is more and more software and systems that can enable better customer experience. We have the emergence of AI and robotics and chatbots and self-service options now and all of this great stuff. But just at a core level, we're asking you to consider, do you have the right technology and systems in place to support your people with those processes? Mm. And that's where we see it fall down because how many customer service people come to your training, Dave, where they blame the systems for they're saying, listen, Dave, everything you're saying is amazing and we are, we, we get it, but we don't have the systems or we have troubles with our technology. And they get very frustrated and disconnected from the cause when these challenges are in in play.
0: Yeah. Loads. It's a very regular occurrence. And uh, I mean, I think there's, there's several factors to that. One, which you've, you've mentioned, which is the cost of updating systems It's actually much cheaper Uh, And and I guess in terms of quick wins to send 15 people on a customer service training course to update their knowledge and and alleged skill, yeah, Um, you know, maybe to do that three, four times a year with different groups of people than it is to invest quite a lot of money into new technology. That speeds up the systems and process,
1: mm.
0: and helps the people. Yeah. So, so the technology is intrinsically linked to process and people. Yeah, hundred percent it is. It is,
1: and it is the most complex because it's not just buying the technology and investing the money for those companies who have got the money and they've got the capital and they can invest in new systems and technologies. But it's it's migrating years of data. Yeah. It's it's uh, replacing legacy. It's how do these new technologies integrate into our existing. You know, IT portfolio, it's then the change management aspect of winning the hearts and minds of people because people generally don't like change or a lot of people don't. So it's how do we get them to see the value of this new system and get confident with it and build the confidence in it. So it is the most complex part of customer experience, but it is the number one thing for me that will trip the whole process up because your processes will falter and your people will become disengaged and discouraged if they have continuous issues with accessing customer data, with efficient systems, with speed of systems, with reliability of it. So for customers or companies or business managers listening to this, the four pillars of customer experience, we've covered three people, process and technology, the technology is the most difficult one. But if you get it right and you have the right Commitment around it; it can be the game-changing, you know, most defining one. It's what the it's what the great customer service organizations, the best class, best-in-class, world-class customer service organizations do. Mm-hmm. Their technology and systems are slick; they are fit for purpose, mm-hmm. and their people engage with them.
0: Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. I'd echo that entirely. Uh, I think one of the best service environments that I've ever had the pleasure of working in was was um, a very large well-known car manufacturer um, and I trained their highest level customer service team uh, who were dealing with very expensive cars and and actually some rich and famous people who owned these cars. And and they were the only genuine one-point-of-contact service team that I've ever come across. Mm. Um, I mean, to put it into context, they um, would answer the phone with the customer's first or second name, depending on how the customer liked it, which had already been recorded. Um, And depending on the type of customer inquiry or problem, they'd be able to access 11 different IT systems so that they didn't have to go away and speak to uh, parts. They didn't have to go away and speak to uh, customer service. They didn't have to dial into Germany and speak to the factory process. You know, they could access every single system um, at the point of contact with the customer so they could update the customer, they could make things happen, they had ultimate resolution powers. these guys were the top of the tree in terms of mm. service mm. Uh, and the train of course had to match yeah um and then these guys were were the, like i say the the only genuine one point of of resolution service team that I've ever come across and Thanks. it was it was magnificent to watch it's a great example
1: it's a fantastic example now at this point before we move on to the fourth pillar um if you're listening to this either as a customer service leader or, uh, or someone who's uh, responsible strategically or organizationally for customer experience on the whole, don't become disheartened if you're sat there thinking, well, this is our issue. We don't have enough investment. Our systems are, are dated. You know, We have challenges ourselves. It doesn't mean you can't still deliver a good customer experience because with the right people and the right processes, you can still mask at times. And on the front line, you can still leave a Customer feeling delighted. Yes, it's a challenge, and it will frustrate some of your people. But don't we see a lot of customer service teams and managing leaders using the technology and the systems as a as a, an, a you know a shield? Yeah, a a shield. Hide behind. Yeah, it's they become the victim of their yeah. circumstance. It's not us. We can't deliver this because mm. of this. Well, you can, right? You can if you get the people in the process side right. But what we're asking leaders to consider who listen to this is where you can provide and commit to the right systems and technology mm. for your people and your mm. process, it will help hugely. And, that's, and it's a key element and a key ingredient. Right. The fourth pillar of customer, the fourth and final pillar of customer experience we've done, we've, we've obviously got people, we've got process, we've got technology, but this for me, this for me is really, really um, important. It's products and services, of course. When all said and done, Right, the products and services you provide to your customers will will, will have a huge bearing on their experience with your organisation. And what I mean by this is, if I ask you a question, you know, with your with your products and services that you provide, are they a valuable? So do they enable the customer in some way? Do they help them transact what they do? Do they help them improve what they do? Do they Are they valuable to the customer? And second question, most important one, are they unique? How do they offer differentiation and they cannot procure them elsewhere, right? And the reason why that's important is because if you have a product or service which is valuable, then you're halfway there, absolutely. You'll still have a market. But if you have a product or service which is genuinely different and unique, i.e., they will struggle to procure it elsewhere, then their customer experience by the by the by default of that will be greater. And I always think of examples around people who who changed marketplaces. You know, Apple, you know, the first devices to the market, when people could transition from 20 songs on a Walkman to a thousand songs in your pocket, they couldn't procure that elsewhere. And that is when you get a fantastic customer experience. So, products and services, world-class products and services that are either of value and unique, or one of the two, hopefully both. Right? Um, that's what's going to add to it. So, continuous product and service innovation and development for organisations is key in delivering customer experience. Because if you, if your, if your people are great. And your processes are sound, and you have the best technology on the on the planet. If your products and services are uninspiring, or oh, I can procure them a million places elsewhere, it's it's you, you're gonna struggle. It's not impossible, because let's take the insurance industry for example, Dave. I can buy me insurance from a million different you know insurance companies. Yep. So the products and service isn't gonna give overly give me. The customer experience. What's going to give me the customer experience with insurance companies is the people, the process and the technology. Mm-hmm. So it still can be done, but if you're in, in a transactional industry, the other three have got to be watertight. But if you're in an organization where your product or service has differentiation, right? I'm not saying you can get away with the others being loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But it certainly helps. Would yeah. you what's your take on it?
0: Uh yeah, absolutely. I think I think the you know the ability to refresh products, to, to change your offering. Um you know, to keep up to date or, or certainly in front of, you know, trends and fashion and all the rest of it is absolutely part of the customer experience. I mean, you know, who's going to go back to a business and buy something that bought exactly the same
1: of 10 years ago? Yeah. Well, no one. Yeah, absolutely. So you go elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you build trust with a product or with a brand, you tend to go there again, even if you have a little bit of a, a shaky experience with a, an advisor on the phone or a clunky uh, return policy experience, or whatever it might be, you tend to stay fearful if the product or service is something you fall in love with. So, um, and well, it's- for example, I've been an Apple phone customer since
0: um, well, since the the iPhone two mm. first emerged. I mean, what's that twelve years ago now Probably, or something? Yeah, yeah. I've I've owned a couple of different phones in between, maybe a Sony Ericsson here and there, but I've always gone back to Apple, and I certainly. Probably, I've had Apple phones continuously for about eight years, and the the point I'm trying to make is, I've never spoken to a customer service operative from Apple in any of those eight no. to twelve years, and not that, once. And that's
1: because they get their processes and their technology and and everything right, and the product is robust and of quality. And you know, I can't remember the last time I had a problem with a with an Apple device. So you're absolutely right and and if i was to summarize this point for anybody listening are you in a transactional industry like an insurance industry like recruitment right like a law firm or uh, you know where technically i know you would have many forms of differentiation but technically i can procure your products or services in many different places if the answer to that is yes then you've got to continuously innovate your product or service portfolio to, to try and create some differentiation, or you've got to be absolutely watertight on people, process, and technology to give that better service side of, of the experience. Yeah. If you're in an industry where you can categorically hang your hat on something and say, no, 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 we have products and services that are valuable, but they are genuinely unique. They, they can't be procured anywhere else or very, very few other places. Then you have advantage and you'll be able to deliver customer experience by the sheer nature of your product or service. Just do not become complacent on the people, process and technology. Yeah. So in summary, to finish this podcast and if Dave's got any final points, on customer experience I'll, I'll get him to chime in, in a second we at trans to believe that customer experience is, is is definitely different to customer service in fact customer experience is is the organizational and strategic um, part of what gives your customer their total experience of your brand and your organization this for me has four pillars or for us has four pillars it comes down to how good your people are from a leadership perspective and from anybody who touches the customer as a customer service ambassador, your talent. You know, what the comp- what competencies do they have? What behaviours and traits do they possess? Have they got the right attitude? Do they, do they lead with customer experience every time? Second pillar is process, both reactive and proactive. How robust are your processes? How efficient are they in reacting to customers but getting on that front foot and providing an enhanced proactive Experience, technology, and systems is pillar three. How do you have the right efficient systems in there with the right accurate data information to enable your people to execute upon those processes effectively? And the fourth pillar of customer experiences is your products and services. How well do they do they delight the customers? Do they wow the customers? Are they diff, do they offer differentiation and create that loyalty that people you know genuinely want to have with a brand or with a provider or product or service? And for me, they're the four pillars and you've got to look at them. You've got to reflect on them where today in your organization, if you just score all four pillars out of five, five being excellent, one being poor, three being average, where would you stack up? And where are your areas of opportunity to increase and enhance customer experience today? Dave, would you finish with anything else?
0: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, you, as we mentioned all the way through that the, the four pillars are intrinsically linked, but for me, From my experience of dealing with this stuff regularly, for me, it's all about the people. Because as you mentioned, you know, if the processes aren't fantastic and the technology is a little bit old and clunky, you know, even the products and services don't change very often. If you've got a bunch of really, really great, world class service deliverers ready to take calls when something falls over, they will retain customers for you. Yeah. And the rest can be patched up and the rest can be. Can be dealt with, but mm-hmm. if you've got low-skilled, low-energy, non-passionate service people, you're going to lose customers hand over yeah. fist. So for me, the most valuable of all those pillars is, without question, the
1: people. Yeah, it's a great point, Dave. And you know, um, it's probably why customer service training is one of our most popular areas. You know, we're inundated with, you know, working with customer service teams on just uh, managing their own emotions. Handling objections, mm-hmm. you know, turning a disgruntled customer into a, a, a satisfied or even motivated one, um, and that is an art. And when all said and done, if on our reactive front line we we excel in that, mm-hmm. then we've got it buys us time to fix the rest. I think is what you're saying. If Absolutely you've got a does, really yeah. great yeah. customer service function from a reactive perspective, you'll retain customers. You'll delight customers. Um, you'll resolve situations and it buys you time to do the technology piece, the products and service innovation, et cetera, et cetera. That's right, 100%, yeah. Awesome. We'll we'll finish on that because I think that's a great point. Dave, thank you very much. My pleasure. Enjoyed that. That was a a, a hubcast on customer experience. And, yes, stay tuned. We'll be back shortly, and I'm sure uh, we'll build upon everything we've just said. So, yeah, see you soon. Thanks, Dave.